Welcome to the Knowing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bach, a licensed professional counselor. On the show, we explore who the real Jesus is with his love, with his power, and with his endless pursuit of humanity, with the hope of changing our lives. Welcome. Today we are reading John chapter 14, verses 22 through 31. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father, and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come, now, let us leave." Okay, let's dive into the processing parts. I believe I misread and we actually started at 21, verse 21, instead of 22. I just really like verse 21. It's something I've been trying to think about and it's really helped me in uh, other ages, stages of life uh, to recognize what this verse means. So for me, I've often read verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. So I've often interpreted that meaning, well, anytime I sin, it's proof that I don't actually love God and therefore God doesn't actually love me. And I just want to encourage my brothers and sisters who might be in that same place that this is not a case by case, oh, if you just obey the whole law, which is not possible, that then it shows and proves that you are a child of God. I I believe the scripture is actually inviting us to see the general pattern as well as the heart of the participant. Man, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, Lord, forgive me if this is if this is disrespectful. Sometimes it's frustrating how the Bible can be so clear in some areas and so complicated and convoluted in others. Uh, my own personal theology says, I think maybe God does that because he is trying to test our faith and say, man, I've read other parts of scripture that can speak into this. And if God is a patient, kind, loving God, who obviously is pointing to our need for Jesus, then this verse 21 isn't saying that we can accomplish righteousness without Jesus and therefore prove that we are God's children. That doesn't make any sense, right? So we definitely need scripture outside of uh, our text to make sense of it when it is convoluted. So right here, right? 
I believe it's pointing to this sense of we recognize our need for God and our heart wants to obey God. And we have a pattern of um, one listening to the Holy Spirit, not perfectly, um, but caring about God's law, right? So it's not like I'm doing it perfectly, but I say, man, as much as I felt justified by being frustrated at someone who did me wrong, someone who cut me off, someone who's disrespectful. And as a good counselor, I'm going to say, feel your feelings, like notice them. They're, they're, it's important data and information, and it's good to know what you're experiencing, know what you're feeling. And then the next stage is, what do I do with that? Right? So if I feel my emotions of frustration, etc., and just stew in it, and get all self-justified, which friends, oh man, I'm I'm guilty of that. Sometimes it takes me quite a while to be like, that wasn't okay. It takes me a while to listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, but we can stew in our emotions, well, ah, well, that person's just a jerk. Heck, maybe they, maybe their actions really are. They're being a jerk. If I notice the emotions to then recognize, ah, this experience was frustrating. I shouldn't stuff it. I shouldn't ignore it. I do have to name this was not okay. This is a, this is a reminder that we live in a broken world and simultaneously a reminder that because this world is so frustrating, of which I contribute to its frustration, I need God. So you see how a moment such as just being cut off in traffic, I'm frustrated at this person, also could be a reminder that, Lord, I need your grace too. Not only do I likely do the very same things sometimes that, that I find frustrating, I do them to other people. It's a reminder that, Lord, somehow you walked on this wor- earth and didn't just say in the first 10 years, screw it, we're just going to kill everybody because human beings suck. God was patient. Like, how incredible. Like, God who understands, like, we think we understand the depravity and brokenness. Like, just watching the news for 15 minutes, uh, if you're emotionally connected at all, should spiral you into a depression. Let alone God knows every broken, terrible thing in this world. And he doesn't just end us. (laughs) So, what does that mean? He is patient. And so when I lose my patience because of other people's sin, and I'm probably not recognizing my own sin, I believe that's a call to say, wow, how much do I need Jesus? Now, how did we get there from just saying, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father? It goes again back to, we're not going to do it perfectly, but as much as we become students of Christ— and meditate in his scripture and his truth and invite the Holy Spirit to do uncomfortable, not fun work of our hearts. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm honest, my sin is like a five-year-old who just doesn't want to let go of his toy, who doesn't want to go to bed, who doesn't want to listen to his parents. And I just whine. I'm like, "Ah, give me what I want. Dang it. Oh man, Jesus is so amazing. Like human growth and development, it's so easy for us to miss the amazing parallels. And we can just like, I think we can just uh, bulldoze and miss, well, this child is just disrespectful and this child is just disciplined, you know, whatever. 
holy crap, I think God allows human beings to be so difficult so that we see that we're no different than a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a five-year-old, an eight-year-old, whatever. Because that's human nature. We aren't good. I mean, we're good and we're not good. And we'll, we'll unpack that later. I'm getting ahead of myself. So having God's commands mean that we're really just open to them. Not, not just. <laughs> we're open to them. We desire them. We recognize the inability to complete them on our own, but we want them to complete it, be completed, and we invite the Holy Spirit to do His work. We recognize that God's way, as, as foreign and as confusing it is, to our not-sanctified brains, our not-perfect, holy, moral brains, as weird as it is, we say, you know what? I believe I believe that for some reason it's better for me not to say screw everyone else and just take care of myself. I believe it's better to actually pay my workers good wages and not make excessively more than them because I make money because of them and I shouldn't then see myself as better than them. It's teamwork. It's seeing God's way of saying like, okay, pornography doesn't seem to destroy me. Maybe, maybe you're in that stage or maybe you're on the stage you realize it ruins the way you see yourself, the way you see others. It disrupts relationship. It's a counterfeit. We could go down a list of hundreds of things that maybe don't on the surface seem broken, but then when we are aligned with God, we recognize, man, either I see that it's broken or I'm willing to own it may not be good for me. Change me. Hopefully that makes sense. If it doesn't, please let me know. How can I explain it better? I want to. Because I've been someone that, for so many of God's laws, they just haven't made any sense. Or at least they, they so, like, let's say, like, 40% of them didn't make sense, and over time they did. And I feel like I might be getting off topic. If that's something of interest to you, please write in, let me know. I'd happily unpack that more. I'm just trying to be cognizant of not going into like 50,000 rapid trails. So, continuing the scripture. I have no idea why Judas, not Iscariot, is like, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? I can only imagine maybe Jesus is like, this isn't my time. To he didn't, Jesus didn't seem to focus on the Gentiles. <clears throat> For whatever reason, I have no idea why that is. I did just, right now it's even clicking. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. I think it's fascinating that the idea of, of seeing the need for Jesus and wanting him to rule your life and aid you in your need for uh, uh, perfect morality because you can't do it on your own, that coincides with loving his teaching. His teaching points to him. Uh, the whole Bible points to him in our needs. So doesn't this go hand in hand that I need to love his teaching? His teaching says, I need to depend on you. I cannot do it. You t tell me the way to truth and you show me what light is. We have no light outside of Jesus. And so they go hand in hand. Moving on, so important. Man, I think, <laughs> hopefully I'm not being overly spiritual here. I think it's interesting that although I wanted to get to podcasting a lot sooner than I have, just in the last couple of weeks, uh, Ashley and I have been talking just about the Holy Spirit and being more aware of Him and His guidance. And here in 25, it says, I've spoken all this to you while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything. 
man, I'm going to like put myself out of this position as a podcaster by saying this. Um, and so maybe it's black and white. I think it's so easy for us to look to people to guide us and tell us what to do. And I don't know about you, but like, man, when I listen to people, like there are like, everyone has like 500 different, like, oh, you should read this. Oh, you should do this. Oh, you should think about this. Oh, you should try this. And like, I don't know about you, I get like, my head gets dizzy. And I almost like, hopefully this doesn't sound arrogant because I'm not trying to rely on myself. I try to quiet those things out. As if not, what I do is I just get in like 50 million shoulds. And then I'm not actually even listening to the Holy Spirit. Man, there's times like this sounds like like lazy. This is my own work I still have to do. But in this season of being a dad and still working and feeling some emotional exhaustion, being a counselor just because now I'm a, you know, a dad and have less capacity, I'm like, man, can I do some kind of side gig to see like a couple less clients? All that to say, I hyper-focused on so many things. I worked way too hard. I spent way more energy and time than I had. It was affecting my sleep and all kinds of other issues. Why is that important? Because when I actually started to get still and was like trying to sit with God, I feel like he was like, Brian, just take care of yourself, man. Just rest. And it sucks to say that I felt guilty not working. I felt guilty taking a couple days off. And that's what's like so sad is if I'm like listening to the Spirit, like, now I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's always going to tell you to do less, but I, I was even praying the other day and wondering if like sometimes that that could be like a message for for so many of us that God's like, stop working so hard. Stop trying to like just do everything. Realize that you can't do everything. Just be still. Take care of yourself, breathe, and spend some time with God in the quiet. Take care of yourself. I don't know about you, but like when I get in that treadmill and all the shoulds, like I'm not being more sanctified. It's so easy to then like get more frustrated with people and and more impatient and then feel justified because I'm not taking care of myself. So then how would I be gracious or merciful to other people when I'm being ruthless? To myself. So I just, you know, and obviously sometimes the Holy Spirit is going to ask you to rest. He's going to ask you to be still. He's going to ask you to connect with the Father and the Son and connect with Him. And sometimes He's going to say, hey, let's forgive that person from 15 years ago. Hey, let's love our enemies. He has so many different facets. What I'm positioning, what I'm offering you, though, is something I think that's really uncomfortable. And maybe, like, I just don't hear this a ton. And, and maybe I, it's being said, and I just, I just miss it, so forgive me. I just don't hear this in a ton of circles where it's like, maybe stop listening to so many podcasts. Again, I'm knocking myself. Uh, stop reading and listening to so many different people. Maybe if they really help you, then have, like, 10 or 15 minutes of quiet where you connect with God. That's awesome. But the end result and goal of anything spiritual should ultimately be connecting with God on a personal level, not just giving you a bunch of to-do lists. 
I think in Western culture, we get so, like, we love to-do lists. Tell me what to do. Let me have the metrics. I want to be better. I want to be a better Christian. I'll stop looking at porn. I'll stop. We look for behavior change and not heart change. Yes. Sin is bad. (laughs) Doing things that are destructive aren't good for us. But if we focus on cleaning and whitewashing the walls like the Pharisees who were concerned about looking good, like, ah, I haven't done all these like obvious sins, so therefore, that's not relationship with God. Relationship with God is meeting him in the desperate and the broken and the vulnerable, as well as the rejoicing, as well as in the celebration, as well as in the, wow, like, God, your flowers are beautiful. Your creation is beautiful. Thank you for eyesight. Thank you for nature. Thank you for sound. But it's engaging God as you would your best friend. And, and more so. You know, breast, a, be, breast friend, gosh, a best friend is, is a good Example, but it's taking it up several notches because no friend can be emotionally available to you 24-7. No friend can offer you compassion at any hour of the day. No friend can heal you. No friend can know every, every aspect of your heart and not look at you any differently, most likely, No friend, sadly, has the amount of patience and kindness and love that our hearts actually are desperately in need of. So what I'm inviting you to do, gosh, if it feels like another to-do list, please throw it out. I'm inviting you, and this is to myself as well, is just be still. Be uncomfortable with God and tell him how uncomfortable it is. Tell him that it's like, man, God, I'm just thinking about 27 different things and I don't even know how to talk to you. That's awesome. Because then you're still engaging him instead of avoiding him. I just love like the Holy Spirit's role and like relying on him is infinitely more powerful than making a spreadsheet of all the things you're supposed to do and say and think and remember. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, Lord, I can't find something. I don't know. I don't can't remember something. I need to help this person as a counselor and I have neither nothing to give or my mind's blank. And no, it's not a hundred percent of the time. And thank God it isn't because then I probably would just use God instead of like recognizing that it's okay to be uncomfortable and like not having all the answers. But when I do that, there's often this beauty of just remembering, oh yeah, like thanks that I can't find things sometimes. Thanks that I need you. It reminds me I don't have it all together. It reminds me that you love me, Jesus, even though I'm weak. We're all weak in comparison to the infinite, powerful God who doesn't have to sleep. What? Oh my gosh. You're amazing, God. Oh, he's holy. He keeps track of all the world's problems and all of our brokenness and all of our prayers and he doesn't need rest like Wow, you are so other. You have strength like I can't even comprehend. And that's, I believe, what we're invited into doing more of. 
which is such an interesting segue, unintentional, verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give it as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I'm giving you my insight here. It could be right, it could be wrong. I don't know how to get peace if I'm not actually trying to accept it. I don't think there's a ton of times in my life where peace just comes upon me without remotely trying to interact with my father and asking and reflecting on him. Man, even the other night, like I struggle sleeping sometimes. It's easy for me to be anxious. It's easy for me to just think about all the things that are left undone. And I know my father is trying to say, Brian, it's okay that things are left undone. You can't do everything. And one night, again, Holy Spirit here, this isn't me remembering, figuring, striving. It's saying, Heavenly Father, I don't know what I need right now, but I need something. And pretty surely after that was so cool because like this like thing rose up inside of me. I think a mixture, you know, if we were to, to just put words to it, the Holy Spirit and my spirit were having a little worship party. And all of a sudden in my mind while I'm laying there, I'm just like worshiping God. And this like really cool song just came out of nowhere. Not a real song. It was just being led to reflect on how great and good God is, how strong he is and how he has everything. That worship just brought peace to my soul. Right? This is why it actually is so good to know our emotions. Because in that moment, my anxiety was caused by something specific. It wasn't just an anxiety disorder. My anxiety in that moment was caused by, God, I, I'm worried that if I don't do everything, my life will fall apart. God, I'm worried if I don't do everything, I'll lose clients. I'll be fired. I'll not be able to help contribute to my family. And so the antidote in that moment was reflecting and worshiping on how God has the cattle on a thousand hills. He has all the wealth, all this wealth that that I make, that you make, that anybody makes. Every dollar and penny, it's not fun to say sometimes, but it's God's anyways. And if I need, I need to come to that with God. I don't work harder. I say, Father, help me rest in who you are and your provision. So we name our emotions to recognize what our need might be. I needed, I needed my daddy to remind me that he's bigger than I am. He's strong and he's safe. And that's hard. It's hard to trust. But it's also a really beautiful moment to like say, wow, like this put my soul to rest. Being able to reflect on your goodness and greatness and not on myself and my circumstances. So hopefully you hear the tension. I don't like it when Christians say, you know, your emotions are silly. There's no reason for them. Take everything just to God. Um, it's just stop being afraid. Stop being anxious. Those aren't God things. Sure, they're not human flourishing. And yet this side of heaven, they're things we have to work with and understand so that we can name them and bring them to God to even know what hurts. <laughs> um and what our needs are, instead of just stuffing them. So God says he will give us peace. Again, I think when he's saying, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid, he's not saying, just stop it. What are you doing? I think he's softly reminding us, like, I am the antidote to your troubled heart. 
Yeah, sometimes you need friends. Sometimes you're lonely. And God can fill that heart, but he also made us to be in community. That's a great example, again, where it's not all God. Sometimes you're lonely and you need friends. Sometimes it's because something's off in your marriage, in your relationship, in work, or out of balance. And just saying, God, fix it, isn't actual growth and maturity as much as, God, teach me, like, Maybe I need counseling. Maybe I need to risk. Maybe I need to like heal from wounds. In the cosmic sense, our hearts should not be troubled and we shouldn't be afraid because God has got us. And yet it's okay to struggle. And it's okay to say, I don't know what's even bothering me, but I'm not okay. Let's get practical. So counseling was so important for me, both personally and then partly why I became a professional counselor when I was able to just be honest with God, like before, it was just like, well, God, give me peace. Well, God, do this. Well, God, do that. All right, cool. If we actually looked at my heart, my heart said, God, I don't trust you. I don't believe that you're good. You've let so many terrible things happen in my life. Like, I'm not going to go into my story here, but like, I'm you know writing a book and other things that will like highlight some of those aspects. Like, there were reasons why like, it, it isn't good or healthy just to say God's got everything in control and he won't give you more than you can handle. It's just not true. He is in control, but he can let terrible things happen. And so I, until realizing, I just don't trust you. I just don't think that you actually care that much about me. That changed the way I prayed. And it really affected my relationship in a positive way. Not to say that I always stay in doubt and I'm always like, you're just bad. It's not productive for anybody if I'm saying, God, you're great and faithful, but actually my heart is like, I don't believe these words. I have wounds. Identify your wounds so you can take them to God. Identify where you're struggling so you can take it to God. He's a big, good father. He can handle it. He can handle your frustration. He can handle your disappointment. He can handle your doubt. But friends, maybe I'm the only one. I don't think so. But I think it's so easy to be like self-righteous and say so, like so many people would compliment me on my prayers and I'm like, so many of them were just BS. Because on some level, I was doubting hardcore and didn't see God as good because I didn't think it was okay to say, God, I don't trust you. Help me with my distrust. I think you let terrible things happen and it doesn't make any sense. So I invite you to be vulnerable with God and wrestle with him. And so they like offer these broken parts in your heart so you can heal them instead of just pretending like things are okay and glossing over it. Man, these last few verses, I don't understand at all. Basically says, if you loved me, you'd be happy that I'm going to the Father. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I love you. I don't want you to go away. Uh, I can only imagine maybe it's because then the Holy Spirit gets to come to us. He doesn't address it here, but he addresses it other places. The Prince of the World comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. I don't know. This is probably going to be really messy, rough draft here, because I I understand there's a lot of theological ramifications that suck and are weird, but it's as if the part of the devil's purpose is to show the contrast between light and dark. He comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father commands of me, commanded him. I love that it says, though, the devil has no hold over me. Thank you, God. Man, that is still just like powerful. Jesus came to this earth 
is crucified, lets himself be utterly humiliated and humbled. And thank God for Easter and that he raises from the dead, conquers death, conquers sin. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for listening today and we will be in touch again soon. <laughs> I've I recorded so many episodes before I knew I was going to uh, not be on a regular schedule. So I'm not going to, I'm going to try to stop making promises I can't fulfill. That's what the laughter is there. But see you soon, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs>